in light of the fact that we will be uh, end of this year, and I think it's always good to have a goal. I think it's always good to have a goal uh, in terms of New Year's resolution. Again, the Bible doesn't say every year you must, but I think it's a good opportunity, okay? Uh, so in the beginning of all this, let me ask you guys a question. So I think, by the way, I know sometimes we always make the joke, we put a comment on Facebook or whatever, like, oh, my New Year's resolution this year is what? I'm not going to have any New Year's resolution, okay? And we all laugh and giggle and all of that, okay? Um, but all of that, I think, is also good to have a goal, okay? What was your last year, what was your New Year's resolution last year? I think it's good to ask yourself that question. What was your New Year's resolution last year, okay? By the way, I think for any resolution, if you could pass the, or, or anything you fight as a habit, if you could go past the 30-day mark or 40-day mark, chances are that you've already developed a habit. That's God's grace for us, okay? Uh, that's also usually the time when people quit with things, okay? But what was your New Year's resolution last year, and how did you accomplish that? So in light of even discouragement, if you did not fulfill it or satisfy it or whatever else with that, I think it's still good to still try to set goals, to still try working on it, okay? It shouldn't be like the same thing in a Christian life, right? Oh, okay, you know what? I sinned. Therefore, you know what? I set so many times to resolve this fight sin. Since I gave it so many times, oh, I'm not going to do anything, fight sin anymore, right? Um, actually, if you think about it, it's not passive. You're always actively doing something. If you say, oh, I'm no longer fighting sin, you're actively pursuing what? Pursuing sin, okay? So in light of that, I think it's good. Um, just to let you guys know, my last year, New Year's resolution was to read a book a week. That's always the case uh, for years. But the other thing I was doing was actually saying, I'm going to go study more in-depth with the Old Testament, okay? Uh, in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament to me was very, very hard, okay? I, I'm not excited about Hebrew, but I started as a New Year's resolution, started reading a lot of Hebrew uh, grammar and also Old Testament books. Serving the Old Testament and particular commentaries in the Old Testament. And also, even when I'm reading Old Testament, New Testament, I'm always saying, what's the Old Testament root? And I've, it was an enriching year. So, and asking all this, all of our goals should be always to read God's Word, okay? Let me ask then, before we even go further, why, uh, so our New Year's resolution, I want to encourage you guys is to read God's Word. I want to even go further and ask you guys, how did you read, how much did you read God's Word the last month? And I said, oh, this month was really busy, holidays. How was your reading of God's Word the last Two months, okay? And then maybe even go further. How many of you guys have finished the entire Bible? How many of you guys have read the finished entire Bible, okay? Or how many, when was the last time you finished reading the whole entire Bible, okay? Or even more further, for those even more baby steps, how many of you guys have finished the New Testament? How many of you guys have finished the New Testament, okay? Uh, so this is not a guilt-tripping sermon, I want, but it is to, incur, it is to strongly encourage to exhort, hey, we could still uh, read God's Word. And the way I'm going to appeal to this is we're going to look at three points today. How many points? Three. Really to drive us to motivate. Three motivations to read God's Word, okay? But it's going to be more like a Russian doll, right? You look at one Russian doll, you open one, and there's how many? A lot more, okay? So today I present to you three Russian dolls, okay? Uh, we're going to look at uh, point number one, reasons to read God's Word from Psalms 1. Reason to read God's Word from Psalms 1, okay? And then, of course, we're going to break this down from Psalms 1, okay? So point number one is what? Reason to read God's Word from Psalms 1, okay? Point number two. Point number two. Reason to read God's Word from 2 Timothy 3.16, okay? Reason to read God's Word from 2 Timothy 3.16, okay? Reason to read God's Word from 2 Timothy 3.16. And thirdly, reason to, reasons to read God's Word in Psalm 119. Okay? 
Reason to read God's word in Psalm 119. Okay? Reasons to read God's word. Okay? And with this, let's look at each one. And, and with all of this, towards the end, I'll also say about even practically, even reading strategy. But I feel like I want to work on motivation because I always feel this. When you are motivated to do something, you could even think what? Of better applications, right? For instance, uh, there's times I want to think about, oh, I want to make sure my marriage is more godly. There's a motivation. I read books. It gives practical things. But sometimes I read a book that's, oh, it's not very practical. But then as a result of reading it, my mind starts thinking tangent, right? Because you have the desire. You have the motivation. And therefore, you can even think more applications. Or even when they give an application, you're even going spawning even more applications. So I think the motivation is most important. Then we go into the practical. Because I think when you're motivated to do something, we find out ways to do it, right? Uh, just like some of you guys have confessed, uh, when you guys are younger, uh, your parents would say, no video games. But then you'll find, what, creative way to still get around their barriers, right? Because if there's a desire, you will want to act it out, okay? So in light of this, let's go to reason number one. Reasons to read uh, the Bible from Psalms 1. Let's turn open to Psalms 1. Okay, let's open up to Psalms chapter 1. Again, we're looking at motivations to read God's Word, right? Uh, point number one uh, is from Psalms 1. And we, we see several things listed. Uh, it begins, this psalm begins with, there's a statement of blessings, okay? The statement of blessings. Notice the first blessing is not to associate with sinners. Verses 1. How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, okay? Nor stand the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, okay? In verses 1, you see it breaks down into three descriptions. Describing the same thing. Not to associate with sinners. One of the physical analogies of representation is what? You don't walk in a council of what? Uh, wicked. Okay. By the way, scripture, you, you look at First John or Gospel or John. He often talks about walking in truth, walking in darkness. Okay. Walk means how you live your life. Okay. How you live your life. Okay. But it's a physical uh, imagery, right? Just the same thing. If you walk with somebody, what does that mean? You're associating yourself what? With them, right? How many of you guys, when you guys go on walks in your neighborhood, when you're walking and then you find there's someone walking the same path with you and they're walking the same, you're walking faster, but man, you're realizing you're catching up. Or if you're, you're or if they walk really fast, it's like, oh, they're caught up and it feels kind of awkward, right? And then you turn one block and then they're, they're walking the same thing. And then you feel like, okay, I'm not associated with you, right? How many of you guys have that feeling, this kind of feeling, right? Do you notice that when we walk with somebody, we associate, yes? Here we say here when it says, do not walk in the council of wicked, is basically saying what? Is not associating, not, not going uh, in the same way. And then it gives a second one. Nor stand the path of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Okay? So, uh, if you're go- being in God's word, you're not associating in a way. I'm not saying working, you're going to deal with heathens, pagans, right? Non-believers. Uh, people that have not trusted in Christ. or not trusted in Christ yet. This is not what it's talking about. This is talking about associating in a deep way. Okay? But if you're good, so notice the consequence uh, uh, is says here in verses 2 How do you avoid that? It's actually being in God's word Verse 2 says But his delight is in the law of the Lord And in his law he meditates day and night Okay So the blessed man is He's not going to be associating with s- sinful thoughts Sinful ways of habits He's associating with what? Not just God's people in general Though that's true But his primary thing Where he's deeply rooted in Is in God's what? Word, okay? 
Uh, and even his association with the churches of that is to the degree that the church is, so, is deeply rooted in what? God's word, okay? I believe every church has its difficulties. But I also believe that if the word of God is not accurately handled, preached, explained, and applied, that's really, you're, you're messing things up at the foundation, okay? I also believe that through sound preaching and teaching over time, God does his work. At his pace, at his way. But here we see that we must be deeply rooted in God's word, okay? And notice the consequence described in verses 3. Verses 3. Josh, could you read that out loud for me? Yeah. So a tree is then rooted firmly like what? Next to that of a stream, okay? Which would be very, what? Strong, okay? Let me ask you guys a question. Which, if there's to be a big hurricane, and there is two trees, one tree is near a river, and it's really enriched with water and nutrients, and it's deeply, the roots goes really, really deep. And then there's another tree that's in a very water-deprived area, and its root is really shallow. Which one is more prone to being uprooted easily? The shallow one, right? So in the same way, we're, to be in God's word is to be also for what? Stability of our lives, okay? Do you guys realize we're always listening to voices? Oh yeah, it's true, okay? We're always listening to some voice, whether our own voice telling us things or the world, okay? But if you're listening to, let's just say, you're, you're focusing on listening to voice of others for affirmation. Is that a very stable foundation for living your life? No, because what? Then you become easily driven. If your purpose is primarily to have people affirm and give you validation for your value, that won't be very a good foundation. And you'll easily fall into sin of what? Man-pleasing. Okay? Fear of man. Okay? Uh, and is that a very stable place to be? Then you'll be always wondering. So the best place is to be grounded, rooted in what? God's word. Primarily first. Okay? And it says here, it will be a blessing. Okay? So this is a general reason. We're going to go from more general to more even specific. But the overall reason why we read God's Word is we need to believe there is blessing in God's Word, okay? And as application, do you really believe reading God's Word has what? Application, okay? Some of you guys read things that you guys don't want to. Some of you guys are still in school. And then you guys have an assignment or a test. What do you guys do with the textbook? Talk to me. Anthony is like rubbing his chin. Like, hmm, okay. So what do we do when you, there's a quiz or test coming up and you have a textbook? You read it, okay? Even if it's a subject you don't like, true or not. Because what do you, what do you want? Your end goal. Do well. Good grades, yeah. Do well, okay? Pass the school. But do you guys realize this, okay? The Word of God, I actually do believe it is much more exciting than any textbook. Yeah. But when you first begin, it might be hard. But then you begin just the same thing with school. Even though you don't know what it's, what it's fully about in the book, you go there promise that studying what of it comes with blessing. Same thing. How much more, even more so with God's word, okay? As God's word teaches itself, you have to believe there is blessing, okay? You have to believe there is blessing. So now let's go even more specific. What are the blessings that flow, okay, from this, okay? So from uh, point two onward, we're going to get even more specific. But the first part we need to realize is we need to internalize that reading God's Word has blessing, okay? Say this after me. Reading God's Word is a blessing. Okay, let's go to point number two. 
we're going to see reasons to read God's word from 2 Timothy 3.16. Reading God's word, uh, 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 for, uh, this is now we're turning to 2 Timothy 3.16. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.16, okay? Turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.16. This is going to be now New Testament, okay? 2 Timothy 3.16. I love the book of 2 Timothy. This is written by Paul. This is actually his last letter. This is the last letter in light of decades of ministry. With all the hardship. If you remember in the beginning of his ministry, even in places like 1 Corinthians, he says what? You need to run the race, keep your eyes on the prize, all of that. All of the exhortation. But in 2 Timothy 3.16, he's finishing up his race. He's in his last lap, so to speak. And he doesn't slow down, but goes all the way. All out, okay. He goes all out um, in such a way that even in uh, even in, in uh, you know uh, in chapter four seven, right? He already says, "I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I kept the uh, fight." Right? He sees the finish line of his life, and he's ending with what? In the blaze of glory for Jesus. Listen, I hope that'll be our lives, okay? I hope that'll be our lives also as well. That we would what? Finish well and finish for Christ, okay? But let us look real quick in 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. Could I have Hector read that out loud for us? Verse 17, also. Okay, thank you, Hector. So notice in this verse now we get even more specific. And the reason why we should read God's word, whereas the first one is the main point is, is a blessing. The main point here is because it is useful, okay? The main point here is because it is what? Useful, okay? Notice how it breaks it down in ways that it is useful. The first one is for teaching, that is, is telling you true beliefs. Uh, the word teaching, so uh, could a lot of times is translated doctrines in other places in our English version. That is, is true teaching reflecting about God and Christ. Okay, you want to know an accurate view of God and Christ? Well, where do you go? The Word of God. By the way, the world is fascinated with Christ, but it's often a Christ to their own image that they want. True or not? Every time around this year or around Easter, there's often what. Um, those magazines like Newsweek, yeah. Time Magazine, they often have something about Jesus Christ or God. But then it's often what? They go to the most extreme, most biased sources, right? Guys like the Jesus Seminar, which is really like few guys, okay? Um, really, there's only two or three scholars of a group of 70, right? That, that's really extreme, all of that. They go to that, and they also reinvent Christ. Or what, do, what happened when you usually see a National Geographic or History Channel? Or Discovery Channel around this time of the year, or also Easter. You also see programs and documentary about who? Christ, mm-hmm. Jesus. Okay, but is it necessary an accurate view? No. Okay. So here we see to correct that to have an accurate view of who Christ is. You see the Word of God for its teaching. Okay, for its teaching. God's Word is useful for that. And, and by the way, the more you see about Christ and 
a God, the more accurate the view, the more I think it also, you live in that reality of who He is. And that changes everything, okay? That changes everything. Actually, you love God more and Christ more. And also, in light of this, if you think about it, if we cannot love God or Christ, it's going to be very hard to love others. Scripture teaches that. But what's the reason for that? Is this. I think the most lovely person of all is who? God. Christ. Okay? If you can't love Him, what makes you think you can love what? Very sinful, very wretched, very imperfect, and if at times the right word is vile human beings. How could we love them? So you get teaching. That is doctrines about who He is. Notice it also says for reproof. Okay? In the context, Paul is talking to Timothy to what? To be, uh, Timothy to be a young pastor. Paul is knowing he's going to die soon. And he's raising the next generation. And part of that is he's raising up leaders also as well. A young man, including Timothy. Now he's telling them, hey, when you do ministry, you're going to preach from God's word, truth about Christ, from the scripture. That's why you should read it. Secondly, it's also useful for reproof. That is for correction. In fact, it didn't say correction twice. It's two synonymous words. It says what? Reproof and correction. Okay? And more, uh, so that's more negative, but then a more positive description is what? For training in what? Righteousness, okay? For training in righteousness. So all of these, okay, is useful. Okay, it's useful for that, okay? For teaching, okay? For reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, okay? And what's the purpose? What's the purpose of all of this? It's stated is that so the man of God may be adequate. That is, if you desire to serve God, Follow God. What's your number one textbook? The the Bible. Okay, the Bible. Okay. It is adequate. Okay, it is adequate. Some of you guys know I love to read a lot. I do love reading sometimes self help books, and but also realizing sometimes they have very man centered uh, foundations. But sometimes I just love to plunder the Egyptians and get their best insights. But if there's one. If there's one book that topped them all, I would actually say that's most helpful. is actually the Word of God. I feel it goes to the heart of the matter, okay? It goes to the heart of the matter, okay? In ways that, uh, uh, matter, I mean, in ways that other books do not, right? Okay? So you might be, and also it says for equipped for every what? Good work, okay? And in this context of work is doing the things of God that God requires of you, okay? If you struggle, we're doing good, uh, doing well at work. Which book should you read? The Word of God, and also books based upon the Word of God, applying for what? How to do well at your profession. Okay. If you struggle in terms of relating with people, what's a good book to read that helps you? The Word of God. Okay. If you realize you have sinned and you want to fight your sin in your day-to-day life. Uh, for that good work of that good fight what book should you read the word of God okay I think there's places to read other books but always remember to the degree it's rooted and actually uh, interpreting the Bible accurately and what applying it uh, accurately also as well okay so that's how we will go with that okay so in light of all this uh, as application in light of its usefulness this is why what we read the word of God okay as much as I stress the word of God to read privately from thus far. I also want to emphasize there's a public or corporate uh, factor of reading the word of God. Okay, Do we read the word of God only alone in our rooms, in our ho- house? 
Or do we reward word of God with others? With others, okay? Because if you notice 2 Timothy 3.16 is talking about the use of the word of God in the context of what? In what, uh, what community context is this? In the church, okay? In the church, okay? So I would also encourage if you struggle with reading God's word, also take advantage of what? The church, okay? To study God's what? Word, okay? Uh, we would go very far to study. Yes, sir. true or not. Most of us will go very far. Most of us for education will be willing to go what? Very, very far. You don't say, oh, where's the nearest one? Oh, real Honda, and then I'm just going to stop there and not go anywhere. Right? Or whatever else, okay? We want to go far. Some of you guys go so far as where? Where's the farthest right now? Berkeley, right? Go to Heathensville, Berkeley, okay? So we go there, right? We go all these places, okay, to, to study, okay? But nevertheless, also don't say, oh, you know what? Hey, oh, the Word of God is too far. And by the way, I do appreciate some of you guys here drive very, very far, right? Whenever we have Bible study, sometimes it's like here, there's like people from three different counties, right, uh, driving, okay, just for a Bible study. And that I really appreciate. And so of all these things, I hope you realize it's not just a guilt-driven sermon. It's also a sermon to say, hey, I'm encouraged by the example of some of you guys, okay, to go so far to hear God's Word, okay? If you struggle with learning God's Word, there is an aspect of others also as well, right? Um, you could ask different body members in our church, older seasoned saints, okay? You could ask your question to, uh, to Victor, right? Uh, to Mr. Byrne, myself, okay? Uh, uh, in light of all this, okay? By the way, I am never too busy to actually deal with your questions about the Bible, okay? I wish there was more people call and say, hey, what's the question about? Most of the time it's, pro- and, and you should too, right? But at the same time, also realize, hey, that is part of it, right? We're going through God's word together, okay? Let's go now to the third point, okay? Um, there, uh, we see the third motivation to read God's word from Psalms 119, okay? Psalms 118. Let's turn to Psalms 118. And here there is a lot, okay? We're not going to look at every single one of them. <coughs> But it definitely helps us. Okay? Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're going to look at several. Okay? As we even open Psalm 118, I want to begin by asking you guys a question. What is the chief purpose of man? What is the main purpose of life? By the way, if you don't have that question answered... It's kind of hard to live life meaningfully, okay? What is the main purpose of, uh, of living life? Anyone? Go ahead, Daniel. To serve. To serve, uh, serve God, okay? Uh, okay, I would say there is that part is true. But is there any undercurrent under serving God? Is there even something even more properly basic than that? Or foundational? Go ahead. Who, who said that? Sorry. Oh, okay, thank you. I didn't hear the voice. Okay, yeah, to love God, okay? Yeah, the purpose of, of all of that is to, why we serve is to love God, okay? In fact, the Westminster Catechism, which a long time ago a bunch of people got together and say, okay, well, let's summarize the Bible in teaching for little kids to memorize, okay? Uh, and then later adults too, okay? Uh, the chief end of man is to what? Glorify God and enjoy Him forever, Okay? Enjoy Him forever, okay? So in other words, this is not just a love where it's, okay, I'm doing God a big favor. But you're uh, serving God, you're loving Him to really what? Enjoy Him also what? As well, okay? 
So in light of all of this, okay, what is the only, what is the primary textbook that tells us if our whole purpose is really to enjoy Him? And by the way, that should be the definition of worship. The definition of worship is really to love and what? Enjoy Him, okay? It's to love and to what? Enjoy Him. Then this book, primary purpose, one of the best blessings should be to worship Him, okay? Listen, when we worship Him, that is the place where we have the greatest what? Joy and sanctification. Sometimes when we fight sin, the we become so man-centered. We think the best way to fight sin is a whole bunch of rules and all that. And there's places for that. But then the, you know what? The po- most powerful way we can say no to sin. You realize when we fight sin, and often when we fight sin is because we're fighting idols of sin. We start believing a lie that this will satisfy us more than what? God. So the way to fight sin is we have, it's really a worship war, okay? It's really a heart issue of worshiping, okay? If you say, you know what, I will still love my sin, you'll still go back to it. So it's issue of fighting, of fidelity, okay? Of who will you be covenantally faithful to first, your sin or God. So in light of this, the best thing is always about the issue of worship, what we pursue in life, okay? For some people, it might be money. That fascinates them more. And therefore, they think about all the method of making money. Okay? Nothing wrong with thinking about making money. But if that's your idol, then with that, right? So it's always ultimately foundationally an issue of worship. Okay? Of worship. For some of us, it's self-reliance that we want to worship. For some of us, it is that we want to seem important. Whatever it is, we need to realize to fight those sins at the root, we have to fight and realize we need to worship God. So does this book help us worship God? Yes, because it's about God. Okay? How does it help us worship? Turn with me to Psalm 119, verse 55. Verse 55. Uh, could I have verses 55? Um, could I have Albert read it out loud for me? Is that okay? Big boy voice. In the night I remember your name, O Lord, and I will keep your law. Okay, thank you. Okay. So the first thing God's word help us is help us remind us about God. Okay? Remind us about what? God. Okay? Is it easy? Do we sometimes forget God in our day-to-day life? Yes, okay. And yet, what book, if we read constantly, reminds us about God? The Word of God, okay? I'm going to make a confession to you. I haven't played video games for years. My wife knows this week earlier, I downloaded a War II, like, bunker game. Then when I got into it, I was thinking, whoa, they're breaking up Battle of Best Game. I was like, man, I want to relive that again, right? And it's all of that, okay? And then my wife started talking to me. And I sinfully, what happened? That's crazy. I did not even hear anything. All I heard was boom, 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 all, all of that, okay? Okay? <laughs> then as we gathered to worship, you know what I realized? I like, Whoa, when we were singing, I realized, wow, that was just within a span of like, not even 48, like one and a half days or so, right? And I felt already like, whoa, it's not the same during the weeks. You know, I just thought it was a holiday, and I felt like, wow, I'm actually a distance away from God. And all it was just like, boom, 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 you know, like, oh, there's nothing outwardly sinful. Well, you know, get, you know well, we'll talk about another. But all this, right? But it makes the point that what? We need to be reminded about God. And I realized that was because I was so occupied trying to finish this, and I finally conquered it. It's like, yes, I defeated it last night. Praise God, right? The Germans didn't want, okay? And praise God, okay? All of that is to say what? We, could, we need to be reminded of who? God. Sometimes it's not things in of itself that's bad. But we struggle, do we not, where things distract us, okay, from God. So it helps us worship by reminding us of God. Then in verses 58, look at verses 58. 
Look at verses 58. Uh, could I have Leo, big boy voice, read that out loud. Yeah. So it doesn't, it begins help us worship by making us remind us of God. And the second one, it helps us what? Seek God, okay? Now I know sometimes people get confused with Calvinism, okay? Because uh, we believe, or, or what we teach, I don't know if everyone believes, right? But what we teach officially is what? We teach God's sovereign grace. Now there's two wrong ways to apply that, wrong view. One extreme is what? It's all about us. God never gives us grace at all. That's called Pelagianism, okay? Uh, Pelagianism is all about us, okay? Because Pelagius said, oh, Christ died, has nothing to do with it. It's my power, my virtue, choosing God, okay? That's wrong. Then the other extreme is hyper-Calvinism, which says what? Oh, if it's all about God, then I don't do anything. We're nothing more than what? Robots. We just sit there and wait for God, okay? Actually, the right view is verses 58, okay? Is you seek God and be gracious to your word, right? God's word speaks to us. And then we, have, we know we have human responsibility, to what? Our will, we must really choose God. Okay? Uh, I know some of that verse sounds controversial, the word choose. But there's other passages we say we must choose God. But then knowing that who gives us grace and enablement is Christ. Okay? So in light of this, we see here, okay? It helps us to seek God. Okay? It's one of those things, the more you, you, you drink of Him, the more you read the Word, you want to seek Him. Okay? It helps us have reverence for God. Verses 38. Establish a word to your servant. As that which produces reverence for you, okay? Uh, part of worship is not just you love Him, but you also revere Him. He's awesome and mighty. And when you see Him in more clarity, you revere Him. Notice it helps you have an elevated view of God. Look at with me also in 120, verses 120. 120, when we get there, uh, Derek, could you read that out loud for us? Is that okay? Yeah, 120. Yeah, so there is that other side you can't fully domesticate God, okay? Sometimes in deep sin, we do need to realize, whoa, hey, God is what? God is a big, awesome being, okay? He's not just a little bit of some awesome, right? In old English, we say he's awful, right? He's full of so much awe. Not, not in a connotation today of like, he's, you know, a monster, that kind of thing, okay? But he is a sense where we can't domesticate him. And when we say, you know, whoa, God is an amazing, fearful God, okay? By the way, this is grace too. When you fear God, then you fear what? Less of circumstance in life and what? And other people, okay? It is more stable to fear God, a gracious, good God, unchanging God, than what? To fear anything that's finite, that's contingent and changes easily, okay? So here we see all of that, okay? Also, it helps us counsel for life, okay? It helps us counsel for life. Look with me in um, 130, uh, uh, correction, 105. Look with me in 105. Uh, it says this, your lamp, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, okay? It helps us with life. It also spiritually revive us. It also spiritually revive us, okay? Even as you're going through this, if you realize, whoa, I am far away from God. Yes, we need to go to Christ, but there's a book that helps us. The way we draw most closest to Christ and God is from His Word, okay? Let's just say in my wife, my relationship with my wife, if I'm very far away, I would want to be closer to her, what would I have to do? Not just me talking to her, right? 
but also hear her. Does that make sense? So in light of hearing her, the same way, the way you draw close to God to be reviving your relationship with God is actually not just only to pray, but sometimes the first thing we need to do is sometimes we, even, we might even have the problem of praying so much it's all about me, myself, and what I want. But sometimes it's just to be silent. Our first thing is to say, Dear God, I just want to hear from you and read after you pray that. Read His Word. To have the Word draw you close and revive you. Look with me in verses 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your Word. Okay? Then in verses 40. Look with me in verses 40. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. In fact, there's even other verses I saw that there's a word revive. Look with me in verses 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word have revived me. Are you in trials and affliction? Perhaps that's what verse 50 describes God's purpose statement. So you go to God and be what? Spiritually revived and spiritually renewed, okay? There's no promise that God will change your circumstance. In fact, some circumstance is, humanly speaking, could only get worse, okay? You should say, oh, oh, poor health. There's no promise that as you get older, your health will be better. Sometimes God is merciful and gracious. But maybe the purpose is stated here, that in all your affliction, your comfort is to be what? Drawn more closer to God. And to see that the knowledge and to have a relationship with God is more precious than anything else, okay? So read God's word to revive, okay? Okay, to revive. And some of us perhaps have drifted very far, far away from God. But the best place to go get close to God is to be what? With God's word, reading it alone and corporately also as well, okay? It helps us hear from God, okay? Verses 26. I have, told of, I have told of my ways, and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes, okay? This guy is saying, hey, I pray to you. I tell you my life. David is saying, I'm, I'm praying to God all of this. Very likely it's David. And then it says what? But you know what? I want to hear answer from you. And God, I also want to hear you teach me, okay? You want to hear God teach you, okay? You know one of the things I discovered when I was in seminary is the more closer you are to God, because sometimes I think, when I was younger, I used to think this thing. The more you know God's Word, the more you don't listen to others. Because what? Other teachers are, uh, are less knowledgeable. But then I remember in seminary, this preaching lab, this professor, he's a really good preacher, right? He was a former NFL uh, football player that became a believer. And he teaches preaching. He's a very good preacher. And I discovered that whenever we would have preaching lab, when other students preach, he sat there and I was observing him. He's there, yeah, he's there to critique, to, you know, to, sh- so, so I feel in Master Seminar, the, like, uh, the teachers, the professors are preaching are kind of like drill instructors, okay? They're telling you wrong, they're standing there, ready, lines up, just uh, prayer, just ready to turn, no, 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 not fully, right? But then they know, and then, you know, it's just more like the people get hurt, right? Like, oh man, my sermon, I try my best, and people are, are criticizing. But those guys are there to, to really say, hey, you're wrong here, here, and here, and here. But one of the things I love about this one guy is whenever he's listening, he's actually enjoying God's word, right? Mm. Like he's, he's like saying what? Listening and saying amen, right? Like he's just an African-American preacher. Like saying amen. What a highlight of all of that, right? To hear someone say amen, preacher brother. It's like, whoa. Like no other greater experience than that, okay? Uh, so here we see, and yet all of this is to say what? Even though all of this, he's not just only enjoying the preaching, right? Uh, and critiquing. He's not just seeing his job. He's actually enjoying God's 
word, okay? So here we see, because his main purpose is to hear from who? Not from a man, not from a seminarian, not from a yo-yo that's learning how to preach, but from what? He's hearing God first, okay? Through imperfect instrument. So here we see, and even in my own life, as an application, by the way, often when I preach from a passage, not all the time, but sometimes after I preach, I always end with, you know what? On Sunday night, on Monday or some other day, go on sermon audio listening to what? No-name preachers preach from the same passage. You know why I do that? It's not, if I do that before my sermon prep, I'm going to end up sounding like that same preacher, right? Uh, or whatever else. But I rather, I'm already in the commentaries. Right? But I do that is to say that even when I'm done with preaching, my purpose is to not to preach apply to others. You realize I could easily become a Pharisee when all my job is just to apply God's word to others. But to avoid that, I often would what? End of the day, I just want to just listen. Now that I have, I'm not going to put anything in my sermon notes anymore. This is really, really good. Then I was just listening to what? For my own life. Why do I listen to the sermon audio? It's because they have all these uh, solid teachers, but there are no names. Because I don't want to become a fan. If I only listen to John MacArthur, I start sounding like who? John MacArthur. If I listen to John Piper, I start doing what? All, all of that, right? Like John, John Piper, okay? If I, if I listen only to one, Dr. Matoy, I start sounding like a Hispanic preacher, right? You know, with, with a little mustache started growing. Like, like you gentlemen, listen to God's word, or all of that, okay? So the same way, you do all that to apply. So it's not about percent. It's to hear God, okay? It is to hear God. Look with me also as well in verses 49. If you guys could look with me in verses 49. We see another reason to listen to God's word. And that is to give us hope. Then we struggle. Don't we realize that sometimes our biggest problem we have is what happened? When there's no hope, everything else becomes meaningless. And there's no, nothing we do. It says, remember your, the word to your servant in which you have made me whole. Okay? Reading God's word help us to what? Have hope in God. Okay? This theme is important. Look with me also in 116. Psalm 116. Sustain me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Okay? You want to live, you want to be a promise-driven people. Okay? And the best way is live by God's promise. Okay? God's promise. And here it says, hey, I don't want to be ashamed. I'm going to hope in your promise. But God's word will keep his what? Promise. Okay? So let's, in light of all this, there's so many more. So let's talk about application as we're ending up. Okay? We're talking about application. How do I cultivate the desire to read the Bible? First off, just even from this note, I think you should review this note from time to time. When you realize, oh, you know what? I don't have desire to read God's note, word. You have already what? This passage, okay? By the way, for those that are parents, you can also teach this to your kids. Sometimes it's helpful. As you teach others, you also are teaching yourself, right? Even you teach your kids. When your little ones say, oh, you know what that sounds like Pastor Jimmy's sermon? like, no, it's not. Jimmy mentioned all these things, but he did not mention it helps us hate sin from Psalm 118, right? Okay, so do that. Uh, uh, put your fingerprint on it, right? And adopt it as your own with more things, okay? Uh, I would also encourage you guys, uh, have a plan, okay? Uh, there's one person in our church that if you go asking for a Bible reading plan, he's going to give it to you. He's going to email you. He's not going to forget. You ask me, I'm probably going to forget, just being honest. Ask Mr. Burton, right? There's multiple reading plans, okay? There's multiple Bible reading plans, okay? So in light of all this, you want to have a reading plan. Even if you say, you know, oh, I broke it, whatever else, guess what? Hey, it's better to have a plan that you can work on. There's a metric you have, okay? Uh, in my own life, I also have, uh, what do you call it? What, what was that thing? I, a planner, okay? A planner. Now, my planner actually has more... Um, 
things I write about the Word of God than actually the day to day life. If you want to know what the day of Jimmy Lee's like, it looks like there's not much evidence, okay? It doesn't, you know, once in a while, it's something important like jury duty coming up or whatever else, okay? But other than that, um, most of the time is what? I do that as the metric. So one day, I will put down, of all the things I read, what is something that made me love Jesus more or God? Then I write it down, okay? So that's ways to cultivate. I do that because what it helps me even want to read, uh, it reinforces the motivation to read God's word, okay? Uh, find out uh, also as well what other people read, okay? I appreciate my brother Jin sharing what it is that God, sometimes he's amazed with scripture, and what does he do? He texts me and says, whoa, Isaiah 40, uh, chapter 40 to 43. I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm going to read that chapter right now, okay? Uh, do, do, by the way, it's okay to share with others, okay? We share our people's lives, and sometimes I also know, in, especially in our pastor, our church, people say, I don't want to share because it looks like I'm showing off. Then I ask, oh, okay, hey, uh, hey, hey, brother, oh, like you have a new phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I told everybody all about it. Say, oh, but then, uh, but then, uh, you know, um, you told Sister A or B, C, whatever else. You know, but at the same time, uh, why won't we share what God's word, right? Of course, we need to work on our motivation. It's not to show up, but still share with that also as well. And also, sometimes, even if you're dry, go to someone and say, "Hey, what are something what God has taught you recently from His word?" Okay, what is something God has taught you recently from His word? Okay, and be accountable to others. But I think even with every accountability, you should. I, I'm a firm believer that accountability is best grown to flourish into discipleship. I think it's much more meaningful, right? Accountability, we often think accountability part is you go and tell someone where you're wrong, right? And then you think they might gain some brownie points from that, some kind of pants. But I think the better model is any accountability relationship, you want to grow into discipleship. If your goal is to say, even the person you're accountable to, you want to bless them by what you're growing, that's a better flourishing relationship, right? Uh, I think it's a much more healthier Christian dynamic of relationship, focusing on grace, to your, uh, with yourself and towards others rather than just focusing on, on, on sin, okay? Of course, there's times to admit that, okay? So how do you maintain that, okay? Uh, all of this is, you do this uh, diligently, but other ways I would also encourage you guys uh, is, okay, this is going to be very important. If you have a physical Bible, lift this up, okay? Uh, I encourage you to read physically from the, the Bible, okay? Now, with that said, okay, uh, if you guys use your phone, hey, <laughs> Better, better Bible on the phone than no, no, nothing, okay? Than, than like being all alone, okay? So with all that said, um, there's been studies done that when you study, which actually, what do you guys think helps better retain memory? Physical books or like electronic? Phones, iPads, Kindle? Which one do you guys think better? Physical, okay? By the way, how many of you guys for school download your textbook and read from like electronically? Anyone here? You do? What you guys do? Okay. Wow, you know all you do too. Wow. Okay, is that to save money? Okay, but okay, but actually there is studies done that we retain so much more percentage from physical things. How many of you guys even have this? Like you don't know a page in scripture. Sometimes you know. So, oh, I know it's like in this left bottom corner, halfway. Do you guys have that? Look, there's the physical reinforcing of the memory. And there's also been studies done, even for reading in general. Often electronically, there's part of the brain that is associated with entertainment is triggered rather than part that of long-term learning. Okay. So that's why when you read sometimes, like, oh, I know I read it somewhere, right? That's why, um, so at the same time, I'm a realist, okay? Uh, at this point in my life, um, the publishers that give me free books for review, they also want to save money. So what do they do? Do they give me physical copies in the mail or do they give electronic? Electronic PDF and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm a realist. Over half my reading is electronic, okay? But then even if you have to read electronically, guess what, what's the best way to help retain that? 
Let's just say in a situation, you're on a trip, you didn't bring your big, huge John MacArthur Bible, right? Which interestingly, the MacArthur is bigger than the word Bible. That's another story in another time, right? Um, and all of this, what do you do when you can't bring your big MacArthur chain, you know, reference Bible, right? Sometimes I look at a chain reference Bible, right? It looks like a, what? Chain Thompson machine gun, okay? All of that, okay? But if you can't, even if you have to use a device, I think the best way to retain that is write down physically, which further reinforce what you've learned, okay? So in light of all this, I think it's, it's uh, to do that, okay? And by the way, even if you're busy, you don't have to read big chunks at a time. It's, I think it's like working out. If someone also needs resolution, they're going to work three hours, right? One hour running, one hour lifting weights, one hour, I don't know, everything switch, you know, legs day, whatever else, right? Uh, after the first week, what happened to that person? Burn what? Burn out, okay? The person is like tired, okay? Uh, uh, right? So the same thing starts small, okay? Start small. Listen, you need to be what? The turtle instead of the rabbit, okay? The turtle instead of the rabbit, right? Consistently over time and then grow from that, okay? Uh, so in light of this, and by, uh, by the way, ultimately the reason why we read is to find Christ. Is to find the joy of Christ. Some of you guys love, where's Waldo? You guys like, where's Waldo, right? You look for it all over. You can see little kids look all over for what? Like hours, if they don't have an electronic device next to them, right? Hours looking for where's Waldo. And when you find it, it's like, ah, oh, nice little feeling, right? Warm, fuzzy feelings inside, okay? Nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But you know what's even more wonderful? is finding Christ in the scripture, okay? To see your Savior and like, whoa, this is prophesied earlier. All these archetypes and direct prophecies like, you know. And by the way, if you guys have been coming for uh, Saturday or Tuesday, we've been doing Psalms. And we've been hearing a lot of Messianic Psalms. We're going to end our last one this Tuesday, okay, with Psalm 24. But at the same time, when you see Scripture, that makes you realize this is real. There's sometimes when I study Messianic prophecy, it's so real to me. It's like, wow, if I were to die for my faith, I'm okay. Because Why? This is real. I know where my faith and where I will go when I die. Not because I'm awesome, but because Christ is real. He is real. He is our Savior. The Scripture prophesied about His what? About Him. And I'm constantly amazed how many Messianic prophecies I find in the Old Testament. Okay? It's like, it's like once a month I find something like, Whoa, I never saw this before. Whoa, this is so crazy. Whoa, the type, type. It's like, and you're just like, wow, this is the greatest story ever told. Read it, not to find Waldo, but to find Christ. Let's close in a word of prayer.